We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode of Wayfinding Growth is brought to you by Sprocket Talk. If you're ready to take your HubSpot experience to a whole new level, you need to join Sprocket Talk as a free VIP member. That's right, free. Tutorials, courses, training, HubSpot updates, and so much more. Head to sprockettalk.com slash WG to join the movement and get an exclusive Wayfinding Growth deal. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan. And I'm Remington. On today's episode, we're talking with Bill Coletti, CEO and founder of Kith. Kith is a crisis communication and reputation management firm that Bill started just five years ago. They build, protect, or repair corporate reputations before, importantly, before, during, and after critical moments. So we unpack his journey and how reputation can affect your growth. So Dan, what did you love about this episode, sir? So much. You have to pick one. I I, I can't. (laughs) Can we just do a whole recap? Just like an hour. Um, Man, so much. First of all, the whole, the word Kith, like that is a, is a bonus at the end of this episode that you have to get to because that was really interesting. But my favorite two moment, reasons, but yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The surprise. Yeah. Uh, I won't, I won't say more about it. Um, so, so my, my two, I'm going to, I'm only going to give two. So first of all, in order to think about reputation, you've got to get out of the crisis mindset. Well, this happens. So we have to blah, blah, blah. So you have to be aware and, and Bill suggests a great exercise in that get your team together and look at current events and say now if that air quotes that whatever that crisis is happened to us what would we do right get outside your industry and think about those things in current events so do that as a regular practice that'll help and then i was just i was i was very impressed by the unexpected shipwreck we Mm. ask all of our guests you know about shipwrecks it's always good but this one was unexpected so that was really good so um how about you remington what did you get out of this one yes so um the intentionality just in general uh, that his theme is that he has as he goes through is just amazing. But mm-hmm. one of the, so he talks about four A's in his book and you're going to have to listen to the episode to, to get those A's. Um, but I thought it was a really unique perspective. He talked about brand versus reputation and who owns what. Mm-hmm. And then he also talked about that, like being intentional about your reputation is earning the benefit of the doubt before a crisis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right so so like and i loved how he phrased it like oh that doesn't sound like them like i can think of me actually saying those words to my wife when i saw or heard something that a brand might have done right um and then just the whole mindset of it being proactive versus reactive like you hear reputation management and you think oh i got a bad review i should fix it mm. Um, and how he's bringing that across is so much more than reviews. So you definitely got to dig into this. This is going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. And it all comes back to growth. I mean, it really does. Yeah. He, he talked about it. reputation may not be a revenue bottom line thing, dollars for dollars, Yeah, but it's all about growth. So this is important. Absolutely. Awesome. Here it is, friends. Season two, episode 22. Let's set that course for growth. Woo! So Bill Coletti, welcome to Wayfinding Growth. Thanks for making hey, time. So glad to be here. Looking forward to a great conversation. Excellent. Oh, man. Remington, I'll let you take over, man. Why don't you uh, kick us off? Yeah. So so welcome, Bill. Super stoked about this. I love that you've got a little bit of a sailing background here, so this is going to be even more fun. So cool. first part of this is charting the course. So give us a little bit of background about who you are and like what got you to this point. 
Yeah, awesome, awesome question. I do love the the, the thread that we'll pull through this whole conversation about sailing. So that'll be super cool. Yeah. Um, on that, um, so grew up in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, I know you guys are hanging out down in that area generally, and so a little bit north of where you are, and. Um, Started doing political campaigns early in my career. First campaign I ran was in high school, a state senate campaign in Pinellas wow. County up in St. Pete. And then had a journey in politics uh, for the next 15, 20 years, went to Florida State and Tallahassee, and then uh, kept doing politics for a while. Um, and in politics, it's sort of two main dynamic things. One is you're trying to create one more crisis for the other guy and or you're trying to solve the crises that have been created for you. And you're kind of careening <laughs> from guardrail to guardrail on crisis. And, and that's what politics is really all about. Uh, and so took those skill sets from crisis in campaigns and applied it in a corporate context and did issues management, crisis and reputation management um, at a large global PR firm and did that for 13 years and ultimately round, wound up running their global crisis practice. Um, and then so that's sort of, my portfolio was was North America, South America, and Asia. Uh, didn't get to do much Europe, um, the way I divided it with a colleague. And then went on a journey of entrepreneurship and decided that I could build a better mousetrap and I could do it on my own. And sort of that classic entrepreneur's desire is that I can do it better. And so we've been doing it five years now. I've heard cool. you guys can validate with clients in your own experience. If you make it past three years, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, anybody can kind of fake it for three years, but we've, <laughs> we've, had, we've made payroll and grown for five. Um, and so now we do exclusively crisis communications and reputation management um, for companies that are smart, thoughtful, but find themselves at the intersection of public expectation and their actions. And that's where hmm. we live. Awesome. So you had well quite phrased. a quite a journey there. Sounds like. Yeah, absolutely a journey. I mean, the, the 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 jumping off point from big firm where everything's provided for me, and I'm just sort of a a business development engine, to having to run a firm, make payroll, make think about branding, strategy, positioning, stuff like that. That's all was really really new for me because I didn't mm -hmm. I I fit within an infrastructure, mm -hmm. um, and now the infrastructure is me. So that, that's been, that's been the big, the entrepreneurial part's been the biggest journey. That's, yeah. that's interesting. So can you unpack that a little bit about the, did you expect those things or were those things kind of, um, we'll just call it learned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, learned. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely learned. Um, so I was in this and, and you know, you guys probably have big firm experience or been in that ecosystem of the big firm. It's, it's mm -hmm. just, things are in place and there are people around you to make sure that if they aren't in place, they get put back in place. <laughs> and both from travel to positioning to marketplace innovation, I, I did a lot of marketplace innovation, but whatever the thing was, other people did it. And so I just assumed based at the outset that my reputation and Rolodex was going to be worth X and it was worth half of X, um, and which was good because my X was 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 aggressive. So half X were actually worked out okay. Sure. Um, uh, so yeah, I learned the necessity of marketing. I learned the necessity of telling a story. I mm -hmm. learned um, we really, as a firm, we the big firm, we really kind of got off on the mystery of being difficult to find and being referral based exclusively. And we did sort of the obligatory industry stuff, but we didn't mm -hmm. really market per se. Mm -hmm. um, and we just tried to rise above the din that was there. 
and as a ultimately a two-person firm and now a, a six-person firm, um, you know, you kind of got to mix it up a little bit and you got to right. push. So it's comfort zone a lot for me. And I've no, I've saw you guys have had some content about people's doing it on people doing it on stages, people doing it on podcasts, people doing that. That's stuff I never had to do. Yeah. And now I, now I, you know, it's, it's a thing for what I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. And, and you get to, right. That's the, that's yeah. the key. That's and fun. enjoy it. And enjoy it. It's still yeah. referrals. I mean, referrals are, I mean, if, if, if you monetize what I do, it's 80, 75 to 80% of revenue is referrals. It's, mm. it's, it's, I do all kinds of, what's that? You guys know better than me, but the old marketing sage is I do a whole <laughs> lot of marketing, but I have no idea what works or, or yep. some, something to sure. that point. Yep. 50% of it's wasted. I just don't know which, which 50%. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep, absolutely. And Bill, you're also an author and I've been enjoying the book critical moments for viewers. You can see it, but it's called critical moments. Uh, the new mindset of reputation management. Um, and in the book you describe, I liked how you described something like a new policy rollout for a company uh, should feel more like a product launch than what we yeah. typically do in order to help manage reputation. So a uh, very interesting perspective, really like that part of it. And I have two questions from that. Um, first of all, how critical is reputation management in that growth journey for a business, for you personally, for what you do? How, how important is that? reputation in that? Well, so I think reputation is critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that with, at, a, at, a, at, the, at the simplest form at the internet, you can go on Yelp or Glassdoor or whatever venue you want to talk about that you're interested right. in, someone's staking an, making an opinion uh, and saying something about you. And so I firmly believe in this phrase is that a company owns its brand. Okay. And so we can unpack that. And you guys are experts at that. You can explain what that means to me, but a company owns its brand, but it's the public that owns its reputation. I love that. And so is that I articulate it and I'll come back to that product launch in a second, but I articulate it that since a company owns its brand, there are levers. Okay. And you guys do this with your clients. There are different throttles that they can, you know, push or pull or change to impact the brand. And if you're a retail store, you can, change pricing or smell or sensory experience, whatever. So company Mm -hmm. owns that. But my perception, even though I'm not necessarily a Walmart shopper, but my perception of Walmart and their change of position on guns has so much more to do that with my belief and reputation and view of Walmart or Starbucks and the things that they've done, than the flavor and the taste and the innovation of the coffee or the Mm. flavor and the taste and the innovation of the store. As a consumer, as a customer, I've got a different mindset, but the public owns your reputation. And what that does, having a strong reputation, it gives you two things. One, in a crisis, you get the benefit of the doubt, all right? So if if BP had a reservoir of goodwill and a reservoir, you get this benefit of the doubt if then they, where people say, well, that's not the company I know. And so Mm. Starbucks has stubbed their toe a couple of times recently. And we all kind of, regardless of what you think of the coffee, everybody says, well, you know, they're a pretty nice, innovative, thoughtful firm. And I don't think they're racists. They did Mm -hmm. some things that looked that way, but I don't think they're that way. So, you know, the the first thing you get in a strong reputation is that you get this benefit of the doubt uh, that's there. But then you also get a license to operate is that Chick-fil-A had a really hard time opening a San Francisco and New York City store because of their position on LBGTQ issues. And, and they didn't change their issues, but that is an example of their license to operate. They wanted to move to a new market and city council said, whoa, 
let's hold on a second and ultimately got the stores open, but it was sure. expensive time or money. It was expensive to do that. So right. to, to, to do things that reputation does. Yeah. Um, let me pause there. And then I want to go back to yeah. that product journey. If you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go back to that for sure. Cause I, I find, I find that really interesting too. Um, so it sounds to me like you kind of separate brand and reputation, although they go hand in hand. So mm-hmm. as, yeah. so as somebody in, in a growth journey, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a, a C-level, whatever you are, that thinking of those two things concurrently but separately sounds like something that you would promote then, yeah? Absolutely. And I think you have to think about them concurrently. And so I'll push the question yeah. back to you. Sales and marketing rolls off of lots of people's tongues synonymously. Mm-hmm. But right. I think my hunch is you would articulate they are two fundamentally different skill sets, experiences, yeah. And so I think brand and reputation need to be considered in that sort of same hand in glove. So do you agree that sales and marketing, while, you know, put together as it rolls off our tongue, are very different disciplines? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's interesting because, um, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I've, I've always thought of reputation as part of brand. But if you talk about reputation management, I've always thought of that as a reactive rather than a proactive. So you're actually talking about this being proactive which I think is really amazing. Um, And I think that if people focus about brand and culture the right way, that that soul, if you will, is there, Mm -hmm. Um, which seems to be very similar to how you are talking about things. But uh, yeah, that's very interesting like perspective about how people can be more proactive because I never even considered the benefit of the doubt side. That's freaking genius. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I appreciate, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So it's, and it's, it's, um, You know, and I, and I often think about it, so I think about it from an enterprise level. So I've mentioned Walmart, Walmart, Starbucks, and BP. I don't do much work with Bob's Lumberyard or your local fill-in-the-blank, so I don't do a lot of work in that space. But I think in a small microcosm, and you guys can help me with this because those may be some of your clients, I think in, in, in the in a small microcosm, having a really important reputation in your neighborhood, even though I might not lead, need the services of Bob Lumberyard, I know that he helps the Boy Scouts, and I know that he treats his employees well, and I know that um, when there was a tornado, he donated supplies and is thoughtful mm-hmm. about that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not the, the universe I think in, but that's the distinction that I make between brand and reputation, sure. and he may not sell more lumber, but the next time he wants to open a store out in the country mm-hmm. and a legislator or elected official says, aren't you the guy that helped on the tornado? Aren't you the guy that did yep. that to the Boy Scouts? That's reputation. He could mm-hmm. have great product, great pricing, great inbound, great everything, yep. drives customers, meets KPIs. But if nobody knows him, Joe's Lumberyard is cheaper, mm-hmm. does better in the new market. So I, so I, that's why, that is why I think about reputation. And now that cause and purpose and this new millennial generation, they're thinking about this stuff mm-hmm. than we used to think about it. So I do think they go hand in hand and I'm increasingly bullish that it is at a startup, small and medium sized business. It's not just the domain of, of enterprise. Mm. Oh yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And then that's almost like a magnet of all magnets for even like acquisition of talent too. Yes. Because that same area. So we're actually experiencing that right now, which is fantastic. (laughs) Dan and others that have just been, (laughs) that have joined on, but like, you know, like we come across as always being very helpful, putting it all out there, trying to, you know, help others as a brand from a brand point of view, friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think Dan and I are having a conversation, a 37 year old, very helpful human um, mm-hmm. is yeah. like essentially how it comes across. But, yeah. um, but it's interesting to, to like break that out and think about that from with that intentionality. I think that that's brilliant. That's really awesome. Yeah. And, it, really and it's all about recruitment. The, the, the kids, you know, you yeah. mentioned marketing technology earlier, the kids yeah. that you guys are hiring care what you guys do with right. your off hours and your off assets and your off right. resources. And so yep. we used to be like, you know, screw it, work harder. That doesn't yeah. work anymore. It right. doesn't work anymore. Yeah. hundred percent. That's it becomes awesome. this, this beautiful gray between off hours, on hours, culture, brand, everything, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, um, and I talked to you just to, to reference some guys, some great stuff you guys did. I, I saw or listened to a podcast you guys did about when the CEO is sick, something mm-hmm. to that effect. And, and that's reputation thinking. Obviously there's an element <laughs> of brand because you've got to be able to meet the mail for your clients, but right. you're, you're setting a culture and a tone with your employees that, we care if, even if I've got the sniffles and, right. and I don't know if you, if you came to that point on the podcast, but that's, that's the kind of thinking I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks for referencing that. Um, so then let's go back then. So we, we pause on that. Let's go back yeah. to this idea of reframing the typical like quote air quotes policy launch into this new way of thinking. How do you think of policy and, and culture as a product launch? Yeah. So, you know, in the book, I, 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 talk about it and the way I think about it is, and again, you guys are the, are the brilliant marketers and know some of this stuff better than me, but if we're going to launch a new pair of sunglasses, there is a journey that people go on from R&D to product market fit to we got to build a factory that can make this stuff. That's a well-worn path. And if you mm-hmm. took any marketing class or any sort of business operations class, you were taught these six, 12, whatever steps that were there. Too often, when companies are dealing with big issues of LBGTQ or gun rights or uh, parental leave policies, a corporate contribution to United Way, whatever, is that to a point that you made earlier, it's typically this crazy reaction. Oh my gosh, let's just write a bigger check. People think we're bad. Let's write a bigger check to United Way. People think we're evil. You know, let's just eliminate guns in the store. I think that same discipline that you would demand a client follow to introduce a new product, because you wouldn't let them just willy nilly say, I want you to go sell this for me, go sell it. Okay. I don't have no idea what it does or what, who it serves, or if there's a product market fit, you'd probably say, "Whoa, trigger, maybe we should back up a little bit (laughs) and and go on a process. You know, who's the persona, all the stuff, you know, better than me. Sure. Policies innovations, reputation building concepts should be held to that same rigor and standard. Now can still be agile, can still be fast. Walmart had the horrible shooting in El Paso at one of their stores had a thoughtful process of where they then made a decision to, to no longer sell, um, you know, ammunition and then to ask their customers, their stakeholders, you know, please don't do, you know, please don't walk in the store with a, with an exposed gun. Um, is there. Mm -hmm. And so knowing those guys, they didn't do it exactly the way they introduced a new product, but it was a journey. It was a thoughtful process as opposed to, oh my gosh, people think I'm a racist. Let's do something really, really unracist. And that, (laughs) that's not the way you would do it because, and it's not the, and so we should be held to the reputation world should be held to the same standards and conviction 
of the marketing world. And there's a whole nother riff there that I have about marketing and the, the marketing yeah. mindset and the communications mindset that's a, mm-hmm. that we're happy to unpack as well. But yeah, I love yeah. the journey and we need to have discipline. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that's amazing. So if someone's thinking about managing their brand reputation more intentionally, um, mm-hmm. it sounds. So where do you, where do you say that they start along with that? And then like, what are some tools or things that they should leverage? Yeah. Great question. So the concepts that I wrote in the book is this concept of the four A's of reputation management. Reputation management had never been an articulated discipline. And so if you go back, hopefully you guys are going to nod your head when I mention the four P's of marketing, Mm -hmm. the four P's (laughs) of marketing, and you can, we can argue whether it's timely or not in a digital age or not. I think it's pretty durable price, product, place, promotion, and that's pretty basic. And so reputation never had an articulation like mm-hmm. the four P's did for brand or four P's did for marketing. We now have the four A's for reputation. So the first step is this notion of awareness and that's both a self-awareness of your, of, of who you are as an organization. Can we actually pull this off? Are we actually, what do we stand for as an organization? So step one is awareness. Um, step two is assessment is where you need to clients and companies need to go ask their stakeholders. I don't think that marketing or reputation is truly rocket science. If we ask our stakeholders or ask our customers, what do you expect of us? What do you want us to do? They might say, Bob's Lumberyard, we don't care what your opinion is on LBGTQ. Starbucks, we do care. Let's ask. Let's ask people. So so step one is awareness. It's about self-awareness, understanding your marketplace. Two is this notion of assessment. Who, who can we ask both internally and externally because employee ambassadors are critical. So that's the second layer. Third is authority. And authority is, some people argue, kind of oddly placed, but I think it's perfectly placed, is that every most good reputation ideas die at the CMO's doorstep because <laughs> the CEO isn't bought in. Because how does this give, how does this drive revenue? How is this going to improve mm-hmm. quarterly results? And am I going to sell more units because you write a check to the United Way or because we make a position on, on a controversial issue that's there? And so if you don't have authority, which is the last step, which you can only get authority is that if you're aware and assessed because they want to know what the marketplace thinks, you then get authority. You'll notice on the book cover, there's a hard blue line um, mm-hmm. between action between action and authority. And, you know, that's, that is the barrier against guys like us, all three of us is because too often with clients, we just want to, agencies want to jump to action. Well, let's do this. If you do this, everything will be awesome. The blue line (laughs) is there as kind of a consultant barrier because if it's too many PR firms and too many marketing firms say, you need this campaign, go do this, go do that thing. And it'll Mm -hmm. be great. Unless you've come up through this journey of awareness, assessment, and authority, you can't do action. And the final step is action, where you actually then to begin to manifest and grow and pull on the levers that I talk about from a reputation management standpoint, that you pull on those levers for an organization that's there. So the process is this 4A journey um, that I articulate. Mm. I want to give you a very practical, tactical thing, is that most, if, 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 if there's one takeaway that I want to see, I want to see organizations read the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and ask themselves, if that had happened to us, what would we do? And so mm. if you're Bob's Lumberyard and you look at the, what, the decision that Walmart made about guns to say, what if we did that? That's sure. it. 
five minutes in a staff meeting and just have a quick conversation about that. That is the best first step on that notion of awareness to learn what you guys are culturally about. That's the first easiest, best step. And, and, and you could do it in a reputation context. Or you can do it in a crisis context. GM just had a strike. What if that had happened to us? Now, mm. you guys probably aren't, your, your labor force isn't going to go out on strike one day, uh, but, but hopefully, cross your fingers. Hopefully <laughs> Florida, Florida's a right to work state, so you're all good. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, and so there is, there's, but, I, but that's the simple thing that leaders, big or small, may need to say, read in the paper and say, what if that had happened to us? What would we do? That's great. That's a great call to action. Yeah, that's, yeah, for sure. And I think, I would imagine anyway, reading those papers, knowing current events. I mean, just, just like reading every morning, those sea level people who do that, who get further in life, like it's kind of the same thing, knowing current events, knowing what's going on. It's just going to help like your decision-making process in general, but being very purposeful about that. Man, that was great, Bill. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so the, those navigational tools then, uh, like I want to, I want to really promote the the book. I, I, I'm enjoying reading it. Thank I'd you. love to see it be one of those things that we do as a company is like have a book club. And, and this is one of those, cause this is really good. Um, so definitely go We're starting one. That's right. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll link to that in the, in the show notes for sure, but I want to get personal. So I love thinking about this wayfinding idea, this navigational thing, this this uh, setting sail, right? I love this whole idea. I'm in Michigan. We're surrounded by the Great Lakes, so it's not the ocean, <laughs> but it's still water. Um, so I go. love water. It so <laughs> it does. So Bill, I want to know, thinking back on your journey, whether whether you think of this in a reputation crisis uh, framework or just your entrepreneurial journey in general, do you have shipwrecked you can look back on and say, man? I really learned this lesson from that. Like what's one of your biggest shipwrecks do you think? Oh yeah. Awesome. 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 Um, so, so twofold on that. Uh, I mean, my divorce, um, I was a bad husband. I was, I was <laughs> driven corporate focused, rising up the chain and felt my obligation was simply to bring home the bacon and mm. was a bad husband. Um, and so that's a pretty big shipwreck. Um, and so I think that's the journey. And so I think because of that became so much more well-rounded and so much more, um, crystal clear on my unique ability and what do I do really, really well, mm -hmm. therefore allowing me time to grow and expand in other places, um, that's there. Uh, so I think that's, that's a critical <laughs> shipwreck. I think the other thing is, you know, on that journey, we, um, you know, you, you, you move quickly through your career, you move quickly through life. Um, you kind of step on some people along the way. And I think I've gotten a ton of awareness that I didn't get anywhere that I've been um, by myself. Um, mm. You got to have a little bit of confidence to do what I do and tell big companies what next step they need to take. But, mm. but it's, it is, it is always a team. And so I think those two things and they're, they're interdependent, frankly, with each sure. other, a sense of self-awareness. Um, so I think those are kind of the two biggest shipwrecks, um, that I've had. And then, you know, early, early on in my entrepreneurial journey, um, you know, you know, Remington and I were talking about this a little bit is that, you know, I thought I wanted to be a HubSpot agency and I <laughs> just, that's was like, wasn't a shipwreck. It was, I don't know the, I don't know the, the, the nautical metaphor, but it was a speed bump. And I'm like, what the hell I am. That is not what I'm built to do. I'm a wisdom giver strategy advisor. I don't do the magic that you guys do. And so I don't know if I'd call it a shipwreck, but it was a, 
nine month waste of time, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty, that could be a shipwreck for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At but least the, hit one of the buoys. But there's this, there's this ribbon that's going through all of these episodes we've had this season, which is that self-awareness, which I think is amazing. Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome. It's thanks, for, an, thanks for sharing that. And what an unexpected shipwreck. Like, I, I'm sorry that you went through that. I'm, I'm a survivor of divorce for what better terms. <laughs> um, but also like the growth that we have on the other side. I mean, I'm, my life is more charmed now than I ever thought possible. I think in part because of that, Yeah, sure. which yeah. on one hand sucks. Cause I have a, I have a daughter who has to, has to like navigate that those waters not too, but what a, what an unexpected great shipwreck that is. Um, great yeah, and I word, can't, but. I can't help it. So I am a sailor and I love sailing and I love sailing where uh, Remington grew up. And so that's where <laughs> I'm heading back. And so um, nice. my journey on that to, to exactly to your point, Dan is, um, my now fiance, she and I got engaged on a little place, uh, in Cariacou, just North of Grenada. Nice. I, hope, I hope you're nodding your yeah. head there. Yeah. Um, a little place called Sandy Island. Um, cool. and so beautiful, tiny little strip of land. And that is exactly where we got engaged. Um, and then we continued a seven day trip, um, up and down to, up to the, um, the St. Vincent and the Grenadines and, and then obviously back to, back to Grenada. So absolutely <laughs> more blessed in the second chapter had to drag my kids through some weird stuff. Um, mm. But everybody thinks that Debbie is amazing and that I'm incredibly fortunate and she wants to sail. So that's even cooler. Nice. So, all good. <laughs> Look at all you. Good. Look all at good. you. That's awesome. Caracou. Good stuff. Yeah. It's good stuff down there. Really cool. Mm-hmm. And that almost kind of leads into like, it sounds like maybe it leads into this next question. One of your proudest moments, we talked about the shipwreck and what you learned. Maybe yeah. this is the proudest moment. So you sound pretty proud, but what is one of your proudest <laughs> moments uh, on your journey too that, that you can kind of inspire other wayfinders with? Yeah. Um, that acceptance and understanding of self-awareness is what I'm most proud of. And so I mean, I've, I've climbed a mountain, I've ridden a hundred miles on a bike and I've sailed in some gnarly weather and I'm getting remarried and to have two amazing kids and I wrote a book and so blah, 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 whatever. The thing sure. that I have the confidence without, without clutching to share those stories of self-awareness is it. I, yeah. I, I, I'm sure I, I'm sure I can, you know, you know, balance a ball on my nose and I'm really proud of that, but it's <laughs> much better sure. that I found some self-awareness to be able to talk about this as an entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. I can huge. agree with that. Yeah. And it's definitely a theme we've got going through, uh, through a lot of these interviews, which is fun. And we ask these, these questions and I'll tell it's so funny because you, when we design these questions, I think we expected it to be more, um, the entrepreneur side, but it's amazing how personal and how self-reflective <laughs> most of them have been. Yeah. Um, which I think is really important because, you know, sometimes being an entrepreneur is a really lonely thing. Um, so it's one of those things you really have to, one, have the confidence with it too. also have that self-awareness that, okay, I'm actually not, I don't suck too much today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah. um, so yeah, that's great. Great so, question. So if you were a wayfinder for someone else starting their journey, what's the first piece of advice that you would give them? So if, I love curiosity and be okay. curious. I mean, I think people have to be curious. I think subject matter expertise in, mm-hmm. in an ever complex world is critical. And that is really requires you to dig down and deep into your subject matter area, whatever it is. 
Mm-hmm. But I think being curious about other things, other culture, other people, mm-hmm. um, the lady at the public's checkout stand, that's a Florida reference, the lady, yeah. you know, the lady that's checking you out at the grocery <laughs> store, um, being curious about them and people will make yep. you so much more well-rounded. And, and I don't hire people for our firm, um, you know, unless you've traveled internationally. It's just, it's just become a standard practice <laughs> of mine. I don't know what it defines. But if you at least had the curiosity to search tickets that have four digits in it instead of three digits, and you're going to make a decision to go travel on a trip and you want to sure. learn about a new culture, I think it, it says a lot about your curiosity. And so it's, so it's to me, my guidance to young people or folks that ask about starting their own firm is just be curious um, yeah. about yourself and about your environment. Yeah. Great I advice. That. I love that. Now, does Canada count for international travel? No. no? Um, I, did, I did bingo in Windsor once, and so I don't yeah. think that counts for anybody. I don't think so, no. no. <laughs> Windsor is basically the, the nicer side of Detroit. Exactly. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love Detroit. Uh, that's awesome. That's good. Curiosity. Man, it really, that really does cover a whole lot, doesn't it? I mean, curiosity, yeah, it, that's, that's awesome, Bill. Yeah, and I would venture to say when you guys said, let's stand up a podcast – Mm-hmm. It was about curiosity. What's mm-hmm. this thing going to become? We have no idea. We know we sure. enjoy spending time together talking and wouldn't it be fun to find a third person? But yeah. I'm curious if it's, if it, if it is what you expected it to be. Nope. One. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, what's it, what's, what's fun is so this being season two and Dan's Dan has been the, the proctor of season two. Um, it, it's been, it's been great. And, so before we started this podcast, it was really amazing to me. Dan's like crazy podcaster. So like, he, I think this is in his blood. Um, for me, it was more of a, it was more of this, well, we should start a podcast with George, who was the, the previous co-host. And then, um, and then I started actually listening. I listened to my first podcast after we did our first um, mm-hmm. intro. <clears throat> and, um, and it it really turned around to a point where now I'm absolutely obsessed. I do podcast roulette, I call it. And, um, but the amount that we learn just by interviewing and talking is just another avenue of consuming information. And I feel as entrepreneurs or as, as individuals, the more we consume, the more creative we can be. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I'm just obsessed with parallel markets too. So that's yeah. a big piece. So this yeah. is just amazing. That's cool. That's great. Congratulations. It's awesome. Yeah. Just stick yeah. with it. Cause the dark days, the be- time. yeah, the dark days in the beginning were like, other than, you know, your mom and your employees are listening, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a <laughs> scary journey. Right. Yeah. 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 I, and so, so I'll weigh in on that one because I love that question. Thanks Bill. Um, it, it, it is what I thought it would be, but so much more. Um, I, I knew cool. going in as we shifted focus a little bit from what it was in season one, what it had become, which was still great but very like marketing focused on growth. I knew coming in that talking to people outside of that would be different and that would be extremely educational. I mean, I have my own personal podcast. I have almost a hundred episodes of, so like I knew the value of spending 30 minutes, 60 minutes with somebody. I, I knew it would be amazing. But then on the flip side of that, interspersing every other week that it's just an internal like we're going to look at impulse and, and for the most part, it's been just Remington, but we're also expanding to other, other team members. Like it's incredibly invigorating mm-hmm. to work through these things. It, or therapy. <laughs> I, was, I was just, yep. Yep. Remington jokes that it's entrepreneur therapy, Absolutely. Um, but it's just, it's fascinating. And it feels like developing a deeper relationship, which mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought of until actually I'm answering that now. 
it feels like it would be so much harder for Remington to fire me <laughs> because I'm a therapist and like now we're tight, right? No, it just, but it, but it, it, oh it deepens gosh. that relationship to be able to say, this is our podcast as a company. Everybody who listens to it gets to hear mm-hmm. Remington's side of it and then eventually gets to be a part of that voice. It's been incredible. So, so yeah, yeah it's, it's been what I sure. thought, but so much more. Yeah. yeah. So, awesome. anyway. Congratulations, by the way. Congratulations. That's, That's awesome. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, Bill, is there anything that uh, that we didn't ask you that you would want listeners and viewers to know, uh, either about you, about the book, just about life in general? Anything we, we missed? Yeah, you know, not particularly. I mean, I think it's a rich conversation in its own right. You know, we, we jumped into reputation management, and that's where we are, and that's where our evolution is as a firm. We started as firefighters. I mean, we do crisis and and folks call and they find themselves the worst day they're probably typically ever going to have. Um, and that's when they call. And those are through referrals from people we've worked with in the past. I think it doesn't take a crisis, this sort of existential event that disrupts your company at, to its core. It doesn't take a crisis to go on a reputation journey. Simply mm. the awareness of crisis of others. So I don't, I, you know, in hindsight, I didn't need the, div- the crisis of divorce to go on that journey of self-awareness. I could have been, obs- I could have, you know, you know, Dan, I could have observed yours and that would be a sufficient catalyst to right, do it. Sure. So it's the same in a corporate context is that, you know, putting your head in the sand as a leader and saying, well, that can't happen to me or I'm too small or nobody cares about me. And if I do whatever, exactly my little myopic world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the, the logic arc that I'm working from a positioning standpoint as a firm, but it's also my personal belief is that crisis doesn't have to be an event. Crisis can be an awareness of crisis around you. Mm. That then should send you on a reputation journey um, because you want that license to operate, um, you know, and, and you want that sort of reservoir of goodwill uh, that's there. Um, that's what you're ultimately looking for. Um, but it all starts in my experience with either your personal crisis, a corporate corporate crisis or an awareness that it is possible. Hmm. That's good. I like that. Shouldn't, it shouldn't so be much gold in here. It should be awareness. Yeah. Oh, for so sure. much gold for sure. Well, this has been awesome, man. So thank you so much for taking time today to be on Wayfinding Growth. Where can our listeners and viewers find you? What's the best place to find you? So our, our firm website is kith, K-I-T-H dot C-O, which uh, is a bonus. We can sort of unpack what the word means in a second, but kith, yeah. K-I-T-H dot C-O. It's B Coletti uh, on Twitter. And then I love LinkedIn. I'm all over LinkedIn. I try to post something there at least mm-hmm. once a week, uh, you know, blogging content stuff that's there. Um, so LinkedIn, Bill Coletti, uh, the corporate website. And then uh, I try to, I try to tweet uh, every now and then. There you awesome. Go. Yeah. So yeah, so let's get into I I I am curious when when we talked about mm-hmm. we did, we mentioned in the intro with your yeah. company. But yeah, what is what is Kith? So Kith um is the name of our firm and it's just Kith. We're not Kith Consulting, we're not Kith Communications, we are just Kith. And if we were gathering together in England um and on a Friday afternoon and one of us would say, "Yeah, I'm heading up I'm heading home to visit my Kith and my kin." Um and my kin are my family, but your Kith are your original friends that teach you sophisticated habits. So it's kind of like, hmm. think back to those guys in high school. They either had you try out for the football team, join the National Honor Society, smoke under the bleachers, whatever that, that OG, your, your, your original crowd, that's your kith. 
And so it has two meanings for us is that we want to teach sophisticated habits to our clients. And we really only want to work with our friends and people that we like. And so we kind of have a, a no a-hole policy um, and, and we don't work just for anybody. And so uh, you got to be in our kith uh, for us to want to work with you. And so it's kith and kin is where it comes from. Uh, yeah. I love how intentional your entire, just you are. <laughs> Thank fantastic. You. Very much. Yeah. fantastic. To break the intentional myth. And you guys will love this. If you've ever had a client design a website and you start banging on them, you know, you got to come up with a name. You got to name it. You got to name it. And I was that client that said, no, no, I mean, whatever. That's the last, we got to make it look good. We'll figure it out. On a conference call with the web designer yeah. and my screens, my, my MacBook Air flashed up my screensaver, you know, word of the day or whatever I had setting I had it on. And it was Kith. <laughs> And I control deed, I control deed kith. And I said, oh crap, that's a cool word. There you go. So that's as unintentional intentionality you can get. Well, you're owning it. You're owning it. So that's yes. amazing. That's, that's awesome. the bonus part. Nobody knows that backstory. Yeah. Well, now they do. Sarah, now they do. Sarah that's different. great. <laughs> man, that's good. Awesome, Bill. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation, yeah. man. Yeah. That's Thanks, awesome. guys. And congratulations for all you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it. Post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend. Give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always, go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.